What's up, everybody? It's your man, Plyrock, and I want to welcome everybody back to the Plyrock Nation podcast. We are so grateful that you're back here as we begin another journey to get this thing off the ground. I am excited. There's going to be some changes to the podcast. This week is our debut pilot episode of Ply in the Muldog. It's going to be an awesome ride through sports, pop culture, and video games, and we hope you enjoy it. Please, if you get a chance, make sure you find us on Facebook at Ply in the Muldog. That's D-A-W-G, Muldog. Also, you can find us at Ply Rock Gamer on Facebook, as well as Twitter, Ply Rock Gamer, and Instagram, Ply Rock Gamer. We hope you enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? It's your man, Plyrock. And finally, the wait is over. The Plyrock Nation podcast returns after a six-month hiatus. We're going to be making a few changes here. We're excited. We are debuting the new version of the podcast. This is Ply and the Muldog. So not only will we be talking video games and the latest news, like all you pioneers love, we're also going to be talking in sports. That's why I found this guy who I'm about to introduce you to and pop culture and movies as well, as long as well as bringing in pioneers on, uh, on special shows to give their hot takes on the latest topics going on in the gaming, sports and pop culture world. So without further ado, let me introduce the man, the myth, the legend in a sports world. It's Mitch. The Muldog, what's going on, man? Welcome in and welcome finally to the Ply Rock Nation. Thank you very much, Ply, for bringing me in. This is indeed very exciting and incredibly timely as we are officially almost 18 hours on the nose away from Super Bowl 54. And so no better time to get this puppy off the ground and uh, move forward with the nation's largest sporting event. The world's largest sporting event, arguably. Oh, my gosh. Who's playing in the Super Bowl? I don't even know, dude. Who is it? The Kansas City Chiefs and uh, the San Francisco uh, 49ers? There you go. There you go. All right. All right. All right. So before we get into the other stuff today, obviously, this is the big topic of the weekend. This podcast is going to be coming out late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. So let's get this out of the way. First and foremost, I'm putting you right on the spot on your very first podcast around the world with the Ply Rock Nation. Who's winning the Super Bowl, dude? So call it right now. Right now. Kansas City Chiefs by a field goal. By a field goal? Now, why do you say that? Now, now from my experience, hear me out. Let me just ask you this one question. From my experience and from what I've heard, I don't watch a lot of, of football like I used to, I, although I am excited, February 8th, the XFL, baby, let's go. I I always felt for the past, you know, 30-some-odd years of my life, including being a, a, a diehard Bills fan when I was younger, defense wins championships, dude. And from what I've been hearing, I mean, isn't San Francisco the, the team to beat when it comes to that savage, savage defense? San Francisco does have an excellent defense, and defense wins championships – is a is a perspective that is no longer completely in vogue. Uh, tends to be brought out when a good defense does win. Tends to be not talked about when an offensive juggernaut wins over a better defense. If you look back in the in the history of the past oh, fifteen to eighteen years or so, uh, that it is not quite the truism that it used to be because the offenses have become so complicated and so nuanced that that is not necessarily the case uh, anymore. And that's why I like this game so much, because it is two totally dissimilar styles going up against each other. And that's why I think it's going to be an excellent game, and it will be very interesting to see who prevails in this, because it is the high-flying offense versus 
the really outstanding defense. I just, you say the past 15, 18 years, I mean, what comes to mind for me is the Baltimore Ravens when they went to the Super Bowl with Ray Lewis and his team. And I think that fourth or fifth stringer Trent Dilfer was playing on that team as a quarterback. He was like, he had awful uh, numbers throughout the year. The offense was just basically field goal machine. And they ended up winning the Super Bowl like 50-something to 10 against the Raiders. Rich Gannon, I think, was the quarterback at the time. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, you got a couple couple of facts a little astray there. It was uh, the Super Bowl you were referring to with Ray Lewis and Trent Dilfer. They beat the Giants, unfortunately. Oh, it was the Giants? Yes. Who beat up the who beat up the uh, the the uh, Raiders? You're. I'm thinking you may be thinking uh, either the Super Bowl where Tampa Bay beat the Raiders. That was John Gruden's. You know what it was? Super it was Bowl. Tampa Bay, and that was another defense, and that offense sucked. And that was a very that was not a great offense. Uh, Brad Johnson at the controls of that Tampa Bay team. Yeah. Not, yeah. Who's that? Not exactly Johnny <laughs> Unitas. I agree. No, that's what I mean. And look at. The only team that I remember with an with an insanely good offense against an insanely good defense, by the way, not not teams that are middle of the road, but the only team I can remember and and that 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 barely won the Super Bowl, by the way, was the nineteen ninety seven I think it was Los Angeles uh, or the Rams, wherever the hell they are now, they move all over more than I do. And they, it was, uh, it was Kurt Warner, and it was that greatest show on turf, and they beat the Tennessee Titans by one yard. Yes, they did. If the, about a half a yard, actually, and yes, that yeah. was that was the high flying. I believe they were in St. Louis at the time. I believe that was the St. Louis Rams with Warner, and it was uh, somewhere in that time frame. I think it was a, a few years later than that. Could have been oh one. Somewhere in there, uh, and that's that's true. They they the linebacker tackled the wide out uh, between the one yard line and the goal line, and that was an example of a high flying offense, you know, against an excellent defense. And the high flying offense barely prevailed, as you as you said. But in you, yeah, but the, even the even the the Titans that year were a wild card team. Yeah, I only re- I only remember this because. They beat my Buffalo Bills with that forward lateral pass. The Music which, City Miracle, as it Which called. is the reason why they have challenge flags now in the NFL. Doug Flutie had marched the Bills down the field and scored a last, like, four-second touchdown, jumping over the offense and defensive lines to score. And on the ensuing kickback, uh, return kick. They had forward lateraled clearly, by the way. It's on the record right now on the Fly Rock Nation podcast with the Muldog. Clearly a forward lateral pass, which is probably one of the reasons I'm still sports scorned. And uh, the Titans went on to the Super Bowl and they lost that one yarder. But other than that, I mean, give me a great offense over the past 20 years that beat a great defense besides this Sunday when you say Mahomes in Kansas City is going to take out Tom Brady's backup in the San Francisco 49ers. Well, here's the thing. When you're talking about this 49er defense, and you mentioned the Ravens, so let's loop them back in those two, that 2000. Okay, that's fair. That's that fair. 2000 Baltimore Ravens. And then you talk about your mind usually goes to the 85 Bears and the 86 Giants, right? Those are the four defenses that stand out. Now, those, those are timeless superstar defenses, okay? So okay. if that's going to be your example, that's fine, but you're pointing to four of the greatest defenses of all time. Uh, the San Francisco. Because <laughs> those are the ones that everybody remembers, like the Steel Curtain and um, the. Another you know. excellent example. Now, that's that's an excellent example. I, I just think this, Muldog, when offenses come in and they look pretty and they're throwing they're throwing bombs and they're having a good time and they're scoring points like the Buffalo Bills of 1990 and 91 and 92 and 93. And then that first time Lawrence Taylor takes a bite out of your leg or that first time that you get really destroyed by Warren Sapp, when that quarterback feels that first 
Super Bowl adrenaline rushed, angry, testosterone filled tackle of I'm going to kick your ass for the next four hours. It really changes offenses to where they're like, they never get in rhythm. They're nervous about getting hit over the middle. Like I just, and I, and then Mahomes is almost a rookie, right? He's a, he's a second year, second year players had a, had a few injuries this year that he's, that he's come back from. Uh, he has played very well. Your point is excellent, by the way. I have seen games. I have seen games change early. One big hit. Uh, the Patriots against the Rams, the beginning of their uh, their run there. Uh, one of the Rams receivers got hit on the sideline hard by the Patriot defender at the time. Yeah, and it it set the tone. I have seen that happen. That's an excellent point, and, and you will see early whether or not that happens. That's why I love this game, because this game is going to be an excellent, true kind of litmus test of, all right, in, in today's NFL, does defense wins championships? Does that truism still exist? That's why your, I love this game. And to your point, and to your point, I mean, the NFL has changed so many rules over the past decade, trying to make the game safer for players with the helmets, with, uh, you know, uh, the different hits you're not allowed to give anymore on the quarterback, things like that. They're throwing flags more than ever for those type of things. Maybe you're right. Maybe defense wins championships is over because defenses have been so neutered by this point that they can't really uh, deploy those brutal bully tactics to take out offenses and their finesse. Maybe because, uh, you know, scoring points wins ratings. Scoring points is more exciting, like the MLB home run race when everybody was drinking more juice than O.J. Simpson. (laughs) You know, like maybe that's the reason why you are correct in this day and age, you know, that defenses don't have the weapons they used to have. Uh, you know, spitting in a guy's face, kicking him while he's down, like all the things they used to do to win those championship games. Not that they were cheating, but those were part of the rules that it was just a different game, you know. And now today it's more high flying and, and uh, you know, more score oriented as opposed to allowing the defenses to do what they do. That's why, that's why this game looks great, too, because you got a couple of, you got a couple of competing agendas here if you really want to get nuanced as to kind of the culture of Super Bowls in general. First thing is the refs, you know, do not want to, they don't want to, whether or not they're forced by the teams is another issue, but they really don't want to come out and be flag happy in Super Bowls. When you look at the amount of flags thrown in Super Bowls versus other games, there are less flags thrown in the Super Bowl. It's, It's that simple. The refs do not want to decide these games. However, with the San Francisco pass rush, it may behoove them, to one of your earlier points, to come in and just lay Mahomes out. They may just lay him out, and it's worth 15 yards uh, in one drive early in the game. I don't mean a dirty hit. I just mean a hard hit. But even in today's NFL, good, clean, hard hits get penalized. So yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like it's just a different, it's a different game until the XFL starts in a few weeks. So on, on the offensive side of the of the ball here with with uh, San Francisco not being known as much for their offense, what does Tom Brady's backup got to do to really? I mean, it didn't he only have like eight completions in the NFC Championship. He didn't really blow it out of the water here in the playoffs, right? It was more of a defensive run for this guy, for this team. What is what is Jimmy Garoppolo? Is that how you say his last name, Garoppolo? Jimmy GQ, yep. Right. Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. Yeah, Jimmy good-looking GQ. guy, though. Good-looking there. Giving Ply a run for his money. <laughs> but what does he got to do? I mean, does he got uh, to complete some, some passes early, some small to mid-range passes early, get some confidence up? I, I feel like. I feel like uh, if he gets hit a few times, it's going to make it hard on the Niners. Like, I don't know if he has the – he could surprise us all. Don't get me wrong. He was under Tom Brady's tutelage for a while, too, so he had a really good teacher. 
but in Bill Belichick. So he, he, you know, he's a good player. But I mean, does does Kansas City bringing any firepower defensively to this game? Are they bringing anything to the table? It seems like their defense lets the games go twenty to thirty to nothing before before Mahomes wakes up and then all of a sudden wins the game. So is there anything there on the defense that is threatening San Francisco that makes you makes you nervous? Yes, they. Couple of things. First, they better not sleepwalk through the first quarter like they've done in the past two weeks. But what Kansas City can do is they can get after the quarterback. They can rush the passer. They're quick on the outside. Uh, Frank Clark is an absolute beast. They can get after the quarterback. So that being said, San Francisco has run the ball fantastically well in the past few weeks. Jimmy Garoppolo, as you mentioned, he was six for eight in the NFC. He only threw it eight times, completed six. They, like that's insane. Yeah. Well, they. I threw the ball more the other day with Little Ply in the backyard, like six for eight in a championship game. He he didn't have to throw the ball. They were gashing the Green Bay defense. All he did was hand it off, and the third string running back, okay, guy he was uh, bagging groceries at Kroger's uh, halfway through the season, had three touchdowns against Green Bay. Well, there's my point. You were back. We're circling back to great defenses destroy great offenses. Aaron Rodgers, on his worst day, is better than 80% of the quarterbacks in the league. Can we agree on that? We can agree on that. He is on the he is on I mean, the back nine of his career, but he's still hey, Aaron Rodgers. I've had some nice back nines, pal. <laughs> but he's so he's on the back nine of his fine. He's on the back nine, but he's still. Everybody wrote him and his new coach off at the beginning of the year as not on the same page, not going to be able to figure things out, too much new stuff going on. Does Aaron Rodgers want to be around for a rebuilding year, as I remember the conversation was? Yes. And they make it all the way to the NFC Championship game. Kind of reminds me of uh, Brett Favre's final game with the Vikings when he almost went to the Super Bowl in his last year. But is, I mean, I don't, I don't, I just see San Francisco, and, and and I did see the Ravens this way too, and I was wrong about the Ravens, so that's okay. But I see San Francisco as this just nasty. This defense is just hungry. They're mean. They wouldn't help an old lady into the house with her groceries if they saw her struggling. These guys are just they're they're just pirates on the Caribbean Sea, man, just ready to just destroy everything in their path. That's the that's the persona that has been given to them rightly or, or unjustly so, but I, I feel like it's justly so. I just don't see I don't I don't think Mahomes has ever been hit like this and, and he's gonna be scrambling, man, <laughs> to get out of the way. Because they catch him one time, they're gonna they're gonna chew on him like a bucket of Popeye's chicken. Well it yeah. it's it'll be an interesting thing to watch early because following up on that is Mahomes his numbers, if you really want to get into some of the analytics, I'm not overly analytical in football yet. I think it's a little it's a little overplayed. However, when Mahomes is outside the pocket, his numbers are actually better than when he is inside the pocket. So Andy Reid will move him around and protect him. He has to. But the kid can run. The kid can throw on the run. They're not going to let him stand in there and let Bosa and the rest of his uh, boys just kind of tee off on him and you know pin their ears back. They will have Mahomes moving around. They will be tricky. They will open up the playbook. And Andy Reid's playbook is pretty darn big to begin with. So, you know, look for some surprises. I mean, it's all hands on deck. This is the Super Bowl. No use leaving anything in the back of the playbook. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So is there anything else, any surprises or anything else that you think is going to happen during the Super Bowl uh, that, uh, that we're not thinking of. So you say Kansas City by a field goal. Yes. Um, do you think finally this year Bud Light will have a good commercial? Uh, they haven't had a good one in probably a decade. Do you think Bud Light will be able to come back with a good commercial? Well, Bud Light is going to be, Now, I have this from uh, inside people in, in the beer industry that I'm still connected with, that this Super Bowl is going to be the, uh, call it the Seltzer Super Bowl, if you will. Oh, geez, these aren't the YouTube ones I've seen with the guy with the tattoos on his faces and the and the and his brain is controlling the. Did you see these commercials? I, I have not. I don't know what they're going to come out with, but I know this is Bud Light's 
massive launch or Anheuser-Busch's massive launch of their seltzer line, which is called Bud Light Seltzer. It has nothing to do with Bud Light. It's simply seltzer. It's no different than any of the other seltzers on the market per se, but they had to put the Bud Light name on it because that, that gives it the firepower out of the gate. So it's called Bud Light Seltzer. I think it's going to confuse confuse some people. They're going to be like, well, is it Bud Light? Is it Bud Light yeah. mixed, mixed with seltzer? Well, people, honestly, who drink cans of uh, alcohol sensor, seltzer aren't necessarily the same consumer base that buys canned beer. This is true. Um, so I don't know how that's going to mesh. Maybe Bud Seltzer would have worked better or, you know, Seltzer by Bud. I don't know. But I get what you're saying. So... So, no, unfortunately, you're saying that Bud Light's not going to come back with the, uh, we're not going to get another What's Up commercial from Anheuser-Busch this year. No classics like the Frogs. I don't think so. I think you're going to see this huge seltzer campaign, this seltzer Pennsylvania, because there's this town in Pennsylvania called Seltzer, Pennsylvania. Well, we could, we could always all go all back. We can always all go back and watch the Doritos commercial. The Doritos ones are always the better ones any, anyway. I mean. Do you remember, do you remember the Doritos commercial? With the lady in the laundromat? I don't know. I think, if, I think I it was Allie. I, I forgot. It was a, she was a supermodel. I, I want to say Allie Landry, but I might be wrong on the name. And she was, oh, go back and YouTube that one. That was one of the best. And then I'm sure we'll get a tearjerker, Budweiser, horses, baby horse, baby cow, the, baby and, Yoda or something. Yeah, going out there. and there'll be, a, there'll be some silly politically bent public service slash commercial type thing. I've already seen, uh, seen, seen about that, that there will be, you know, a little bit of politics introduced into some of these commercials too. Yeah. Those will go over like a lead balloon, but (laughs) a three and a half million dollar per second red balloon. Yeah. It's it's all right. So that's the Moldogs Super Bowl preview. Kansas City by a field goal. The over-under, I think, is 54-and-a-half as we speak right now. Uh, what do you think people should be? Is this a high-scoring game or a low-scoring game? Be able to tell you after about eight minutes, but that doesn't count as a prediction. So uh, that number, that 54-and-a-half, for those of you interested in uh, such things, is about right where it should be. Uh, that is about right. It's a very sharp line, what we call a Help sharp line. You know, yeah, that's what we call a sharp, <laughs> sharp line. There's no, uh, there's really no meat on that bone. Again, yep. a prediction is I think that number will go under. Okay. Okay. So 54 and a half. You're saying under 54 and a half. Yeah, not by much, not by much, but I think that game will go under, uh, you know, 30, okay. 28, 24. Kind of feeling that, you know, score somewhere in there, 28. 28-24? Yep, 28-24. Because San Francisco is going to try to control the pace. Now, what will be interesting to say to see is on their first couple series, if they come out and try to go totally out of character to see if they can catch Kansas City. So if they come out in the first series or two and they take a couple of uh, hits downfield, you know, they take a couple of shots, deep shots, that'd be very interesting. But even if they do that, they will then revert back into some type of ball control mode and just try to run it down their throat and control the ball and not let Mahomes uh, get the opportunity to really light up the scoreboard. Because if it becomes a light up the scoreboard type of game, Kansas oh, it's over. Kansas City's going to roll. Kansas City's going to win. Now the number, the total may go over, and that's fine. Uh, I won't be playing the total. I will probably just be playing the game. I say that now, but uh, you know, then as it gets closer, I'll probably be playing fifteen different things, and I won't even know what I'm doing. Uh, I know, like does the running back average yeah. more than three point two yards per carry? Yeah, all the props. The props are all silly. They even they even on Super Sunday they do a lot of cross sport props, meaning you can you can take the higher of uh, the number of completions Patrick Mahomes has against the number of points uh, Zion Williamson has in the uh, New Orleans Pelican game. So they do a lot of these cross-sport props, too. So you could, you could get into that. That would be, uh, that'd be a whole podcast in and of itself, just the prop betting. But if this turns into a light-up-the-scoreboard game, Frisco has no chance. But they may come out and take a couple shots early, but they will revert back to ground and pound 
And you, you got to dance with the girl you brung at this point. I mean, that's what they are. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You, I mean, go with what works. You made it to the Super Bowl. You don't start changing everything. Yeah, well, there's always two schools of thought. You know, do what you do best is yep. one. And then sprinkle it with a little bit of something they've never seen. Now, the problem with something they've never seen is something you're not particularly great at. So it's the ultimate second guess, right? You run a trick play and it scores a touchdown. The announcers all go, ah, oh, that's fantastic. They were saving that one in the back of the playboy. That is just brilliant. And then you run that same trick play and you throw it for a pick. And the announcers say, oh, why are they doing that? This is a running team. They're not a tricky, they're not a tricky team. So, you know, hey, that's how it goes. Wide receivers, their job is to catch the ball. Right, yeah. Why do you have him throwing the ball? You know, but the minute you roll him out and he throws a, throws a touchdown, they'll start telling you how uh, – you know, he was a high school quarterback, and that's why they kept that play in the back of the playbook and blah, blah, blah. So they'll spin, yeah. Yeah, they'll spin it one way or another. But that's why these games are so interesting because you dissect them for two weeks, and, you know, then you finally got to kick the ball off and see what happens. You just never know, dude. That's why you play the game, man. That so I always tell everybody that. Like, you just well, – this guy's going to kill this guy in the fight. Well, if this guy was legitimately just always going to kill this guy in the fight, then why have the fight in the first place? Yeah, tell Buster Douglas that. That's exactly right. Yeah, I'll tell that story one day. I met Buster Douglas, but uh, that was an awesome fight, man. I remember that when I was a little kid. Well, Tyson, you know, it was Tyson's quote that that applies to all sports, really. And it was an excellent quote where he says, everybody's got a plan until you punch him in the face. And that was such a great quote because he was fighting, I think it was Peter McNeely or one of those tomato cans. Back in, the, back in the 90s. And uh, and the guy said, oh, no, I got my plan. You know, I got my plan for Tyson. I'm, you know, I got my plan. And yeah, everybody's got a plan. Yeah. Everybody's yeah, got a plan until they, get, until they get punched in the face. And that's kind of looping back to what you were saying about the, the Mahomes and the 49er defense. You know, everybody's got a plan until Bosa comes off the edge and flattens you. That, that could set the tone and definitely uh, – Change the psyche of the Kansas City Chiefs. That is a possibility. Anybody who tells you they know what's going to happen in these games doesn't know anything. The best, the best you can do is, is really analyze what you have, see what you think, you use all the tools at your disposal. But at the end of the day, you do got to make a pick. And my pick is great game. It's going to be a great game. And it's going to be KC by somewhere in the, you know, three to four, you know, three or four. That's incredible. All right, now we're going to switch wheelhouses because we're leaving Muldog's wheelhouse and we're going into Plyrock's wheelhouse. So, Mull, now that you're new to the Plyrock Nation, you know what it is that I do for my day job. Yes, I do. Yeah, man. We have an awesome video game live show on Facebook Gaming. You can find it at Plyrock Gamer. So if you go to Facebook and type in Plyrock Gamer or The Plymouth Rock Gaming, I'll pop right up with my ugly mug. We're on live five to six nights a week, nine o'clock to midnight, play all sorts of different games. We're rapidly approaching 8,000 followers and um, having a great time doing that, which gives us the opportunity to do other things like this. And when I met uh, Muldog in real life here, uh, he was such a, uh, a fantastic speaker with a great personality and such a wealth of knowledge of sports, which is probably the only area of weakness for Fly. Uh, since back in the day, I said, man, Mull would be a great addition to the Ply Rock Nation family, and uh, this is going to be a great time. But this past week, Mull, I think I did. I think I played something that you might have a little bit of knowledge of, and I haven't played a game that made me feel this good and this nostalgic and, and this much like a little boy again. Like I just played the new game that hardly anybody knew came out which was Terminator Resistance. And um, the fact that a small development team from uh, Europe named Teon, T-E-Y-O-N, whose only other claim to fame was an absolutely hot piece of trash garbage video game for the PlayStation 3 called Rambo the Video Game, which many widely consider to be probably the, if not, close to the worst video game released for PlayStation and Xbox 360 
back in the last council generation. To, for these guys to, and ladies, to move up the mountain so much in their next project and make a game that was, you could just tell, they had so much writing on this to prove themselves. They had so much writing on this to prove their passion and their love for Terminator lore <clears throat> and to actually be able to deliver a true sequel to Terminator 2, which fans have never gotten because everything after Terminator 2, and I think you've seen most of the Terminator movies, is Terminator 3 was a Hollywood spit-up sequel, which wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. And it's kind of unnecessary, to be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> but then Terminator Salvation was the future war that we didn't really imagine it to be. Uh, it wasn't really handled right. It was kind of a less-than-mediocre movie. Genesis was hot, was garbage. Terminator Genesis. Terminator Dark Fate was hot garbage with gasoline poured on it, and then someone took a piss to, to put it out. <laughs> so it just progressively got worse as these movies have been coming out and they've been trying to reboot the series. And they're going farther and farther away from James Cameron's original vision of Terminator 1 and 2. That for this little studio to come out with this little game, was a 10 to 12 hour single player shooter playthrough that is uh kind of has some fallout elements to it kind of has some uh light role playing game elements to it <clears throat> so for them to be able to come out and make this and make us as terminator fans feel so elated and so giddy and just like almost tearful that Hollywood, all we ever wanted was this movie. Clearly was this movie. Like, I don't know, Mitch, if you remember, do you remember Terminator 2? Now, obviously. Yes. Okay. Now, how Terminator 2, I mean, we're going on 30 years, right? Sure. Okay. Timeless movie, it still holds up. Yeah, I mean, you started talking about T this, T that, T that. That kind of started sounding like Friday the 13th to me after a while. You know, you got yeah, I mean, Terminator so crazy down the butt. T2, when it when it came out, I can remember I can remember it being on the McDon you know, on the drink cups at McDonald's. I mean, it was it was a monster. Those were the glory days, baby. That's when R-rated movies were toys and cartoons too. Yeah, it was a monster, but. Terminator 2, if you remember, there's a scene in Terminator 2 where Sarah is narrating about John Connor. Okay, yep. And she talks about, she's, while she's talking about him, there's this iconic scene where the camera is following behind John Connor as an adult as he's walking through the bunker. And he's coming up out of the bunker and he has his binoculars and he looks out over the battlefield. And that's when you finally see his face, and he has that giant scar on his face. Yes. Okay. They perfectly weave, and this is not a spoiler. I'm not going to tell you where in the game. I'm not going to tell you how it has to do with the story, because I don't want to ruin that yet, but I will soon. So you need to get your ass out there and buy it or play it or rent it or do whatever you need to do. It's available on PlayStation 4, Xbox, and PC on Steam. And this, these developers really deserve your support if they're going to deliver games like this. Does it fit into a, is it compatible with an Atari 2600? Because that's about my wheelhouse. Maybe. <laughs> but you're going to have to lower the graphical settings down to septic tank in order to get it to run. But it, they perfectly weave that scene of that movie into this game. Okay in a way that completely makes sense, doesn't feel cheap, gives you the feels because all of a sudden you're, you're teleported back to that moment in the movie theater, and, and, and finishes the Terminator 2 story, which James Cameron had already claimed was already finished, blah, 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 I'm not doing another one. But it it just fits so perfectly into that moment where I was I was in on the show I was I was literally cheering. 
like it was that emotional of a moment. It was that good. It was handled that well. And there are multiple moments in this game that fit that that kind of feel, that kind of moment. Uh, there's one moment in it. I'll give away an Easter egg just to kind of give you an example. Robert Patrick played the uh, the T-1000 in Terminator 2. To this day, I think the most terrifying uh, Terminator ever put on screen. I think he was even more terrifying than Arnold in Terminator 1. Okay. I mean, Arnold in Terminator 1 was a, I mean, if you think I'm wrong, let me know. But Arnold in Terminator 1 was a, was terrifying. Sure. Absolutely. And and but when you when you first saw the T one the liquid metal terminator in Terminator two, you're like, How in the F are they gonna take this thing out? Like like what are they supposed to do to this thing? It's just it's liquid metal. Like they they blow it up, it comes back together. So and Robert Patrick's performance was so menacing in that movie that I, he, he his he was so good in that movie he never even got over that movie. Like even after that movie, every time you saw him on TV or in a, or in a movie or or whatever, you're like, oh, that's a liquid metal Terminator. Like he was just so good. He was like a product. He, he was cursed by his own ability. So but, what um, do you think their rationale was of of really putting their heart and soul into this game? Did they, did the developers really see that that hole in the? Um, you know, in the whole series and, and think that that was something, a hoop that really needed to be jumped through. I mean, they were trying to, t it sounds to me that you're saying they were really trying to make the game true to where T2 left off. Yes, they were. I can't read anybody's mind, so I can only give you my impressions from when I was playing it. And I can only give you my analysis, like you were of the Super Bowl, of what Teon has done previously. Understood. And I think it's it's two merging factors coming together for them. I think it was number one, their last game was completely not well received at all. Like the Rambo game that came out for, for the last generation was just it was mocked. It was so it was so bad. But you know, to be fair, all studios start somewhere. And uh, to give an example, Treyarch, which did, uh, which does the recent Call of Duty games, they started with Call of Duty Three. They even started before that, but let's let's just start with their first big big shot. Their first big title was Call of Duty Three, and people, it was buggy mess. It was it, everybody said it was a Call of Duty Two ripoff. Um, you know, it was it was it was hot garbage for the day. So, and now Treyarch's one of the biggest studios in the world. So to be fair. But Teon, I think it was a combination of this game. The last time we made a game, people almost buried us, number one. Number two, we really effing love Terminator, and we're sick and tired. Like, like Canal Studios gave them an opportunity in a small budget to, to do something special, which Canal Studios, C2 Studios is the one that owns the rights to Terminator now. Because Terminator's rights have jumped around all over the place since T2. Okay. Every studio under the sun has owned the rights to that thing. So that's why that's why Terminator Salvation felt so different, because I think that was made by a different movie studio than Terminator Genesis, I think was Warner Brothers, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong. So that one felt different, because that's a different studio house. And then the new one, which, whatever, the new one doesn't really exist either. But that one was made by a different studio, so it's been all over the place. <clears throat> so for this studio to get an opportunity to really show their love, <coughs> excuse me, and really comb over Terminator 1 and Terminator 2 for the music in the game is clearly written from an, a, a mid-80s to early 90s perspective of the electronica and the, and the, the beats come right from the movies. But they, they, they edited them in such a perfect way and they remixed them. So they sound contemporary, but they sound like they're from the movie too. <clears throat> so they they really were like, this is our shot. This is our shot. And if we blow this, it's over. And we're going to do something we really love. And we're going to give it everything we got, all 31 of us or whatever. Well, however many guy, people are there. It's not a very big studio. 
Okay. And and for that, they just gave it everything they had. Now, there are some flaws with the game. So I don't want it to sound like this is the greatest game since, you know, sliced bread. There are some flaws with the game. The game does feel like it should have been made five to ten years ago, if that makes sense. Uh, the mechanics in the game are kind of last generation in terms of shooter. Um, uh, the way it, the, the movement, it's not as... Uh, it's not as tight as a Call of Duty today. It's not as tight as Fortnite. Um, it does feel a little wonky in terms of that. Uh, the voice acting is a little rough. I think the voice acting on this podcast might be a little bit better than Terminator the video game. <laughs> so it is a little, but the story is so good. And the effort is so clearly there. And the world they built is so clearly James Cameron's. Uh, you know those little snippets of the future war we got in Terminator 1 and 2? Those just little snippets of it, and we just wanted more. Whenever you saw a, a flash forward to the to the scenes, when when Michael B. and Kyle Reese is walking through that bunker in the first one, yeah, and then the second one with the John Connor and the machines and the HK tank is rolling and the purple lasers are shooting everywhere, like, it really... It really just grabbed onto that future war that we wanted that we never got in Terminator Salvation with Christian Bale. And it, it just said, yeah, this is the way. And it just ignores everything about Terminator 3. It ignores everything about Terminator Salvation. It ignores everything about Terminator Genesis. It ignores everything about Terminator Dark Fate. It actually even completely ignores... Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which wasn't a bad show on Fox years ago, if you remember that. Okay. It ignores all of that, and it just says, this exists within the first two movies. This is the future that you know. There's no timeline bullshit here. Enjoy. Back to the roots. Back to the roots. Coming out of the bullpen, throwing strikes, bringing the heat. And that's it. This is it. This is the this is what Hollywood should have done for Terminator Three, and they would have had their they would have had themselves a franchise worthy of being up there with a Superman or a Batman or a Star Wars franchise if they had played it just like this and not constantly slicing off sections of their fans with each movie. They they would have had something special here because, man, it was intense, dude. And I can't give it a high enough rating, especially for the price. I got the game on sale on Steam for $30. Okay. Divided by the 12 hours of enjoyment that I had in that thing. That's cheaper than any movie at the movie theater. Sure. And I'm so glad, you know, I honestly would have paid full price for this had I not ran into it when it was on sale because I didn't even know it existed until it went on sale on Steam because there was hardly any marketing for it because there wasn't a very big budget for the game in the first place. So we hardly knew that this game was out. And it was a pleasure to play it with and for my the Pioneers. And a lot of the pioneers are old school Terminator fans, and they felt it with me, and they took that emotional ride with me. And it it was some of the most fun I've had on Facebook gaming in the year and a quarter that I've been on Facebook gaming. So, has there been a lot of feedback from the pioneers on the game? Loved it. Excellent. And I even reached out to the developers on Twitter. And I just shot him a tweet, and I put a clip of the show in the tweet, and I it was my reaction to the John Connor scene that I was talking about, <clears throat> and I just said, thank you. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for your love. Thank you for giving us the true sequel to Terminator 2. Thank you. You need to hear it. Thank you. And That's I wrote fantastic. back, we appreciate it. That is fantastic. So, I've never, I have never tweeted, and I guess I should because I play a ton of games and enjoy a lot of people's creativity. 
I have never been that inspired to just immediately go say thank you. And how many times in this world do people always tell you when you're doing a bad job? How many times do you go to a restaurant and you read the reviews or a hotel or a, or any type of retail store and they might not get a, they might wait on a thousand people a day, but it's always those two or three skunks who are screaming about how awful the place is or how awful the people are, how terrible the movie was or how shitty the video game was. You know, squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? Those are the, and those are the ones who run to Yelp. Yes, but it's it, unfortunately, and I encourage people to do this more, it, it's, it's a lot more rare, but it means a lot more when someone comes in and says, I appreciate you. And I had to let those guys know that I appreciate them. I appreciate their comeback because I played Rambo the video game, and that almost drove me to have a drinking problem how bad that was. <laughs> so... I appreciate I appreciate the leap forward in your talent and your ability. I appreciate all you've done to revitalize the Terminator franchise. The critics, by the way, Mitch, this might be interesting, Moldog. Critics hated the game. The critics themselves, the video game quote unquote critics, you know, the video game magazines yeah, and the bigger websites, yeah. thought it was trash. They got low scores all over the place. Well, not, not, I know, I not, know. Yeah, not, uh, not unlike when you know the critics hate all the good movies too. You know, yeah, not, not unlike yeah. that you know scenario. Sure, like critics really like Star Wars: The Last Jedi, where we all know where that went. So that was beyond hot dumpster fire garbage. So, but they really didn't get or like the Terminator game. But if you go on YouTube and you look up Terminator Resistance reviews, and you see all the video content creators, all the smaller to mid-sized independent game reviewers, they are like, this game is pretty damn good. Like, they are. And we do point out the flaws. So we recognize that it's not Skyrim. It's not the next Super Mario Brothers 3. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like, we get it that it's not the pinnacle. It's not a AAA title. So. It's, you know, it's a B, it's a B movie. It's a B game. Like, you know what I mean? Like it has smaller budget, whatever. And they really like the, the, the fan base, the reaction on steam itself. Uh, steam is by the way, Moldog steam is where PC gamers generally buy all their video games. Okay. So the reaction on steam as it has like a critic score of like, you know, garbage. And then the user score is like 9.0 out of 10. Like, that's unheard of. Okay. Like, the reviews coming in from the players are, oh, thank you so much. Like, we had so much fun with it. Like, I listen to the soundtrack now when I'm, like, walking, working around the house. Like, that's how good everything about it is. <clears throat> you know? High so, praise. That is high, high praise. praise. So I totally recommend Terminator Resistance, guys. For anybody who loves the Terminator franchise, you will obviously enjoy this way more. If you don't like the Terminator franchise, uh, I don't know if this would be the right game for you because then the flaws are going to stick out even more. Uh, I, I fully recognize that I am more forgiving of some of the flaws of the game because they handle the Terminator lore and story so well. So, you know, th uh, two and a half out of five if you're not a Terminator fan. Four and a half out of five if you are. If you're a Terminator fan, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to the developers. You owe it to John Connor himself to check this game out. So <clears throat> that's my take on Terminator Resistance, dude. Well, it sounds like uh, it sounds like you were doing the public a service here, Ply. Not surprised. Yeah, that's why I'm here every day. I do a public service by playing video games. Understood. <laughs> Understood. So anyway, guys, we're going to be delivering this content to you at least once a week. We're going to be working on a schedule, hopefully able to develop some more for you as we get into a rhythm. This is our pilot episode. It will The format will be changing slightly as we go. Uh, we will be getting more in-depth into the sports news of the week. 
we will be covering more um, of what's going on in the Ply Rock Nation and the Ply and the Muldog Facebook pages. You will see an Instagram page shortly. You will see a Twitter shortly. The Muldog's going to be available to uh, talk shit and spar with you guys on sports on the Ply and the Muldog Facebook page, which you can find at at Ply and the Muldog. Uh, so just go to Facebook and type in at P-L-Y-A-N-D. T-H-E-M-U-L-L-D-A-W-G, Ply and the Muldog, uh, which I've also posted on the regular Ply Rock Nation main page. Uh, we're going to be bringing in Plyoneers because we want to hear from you guys. So we definitely are going to be inviting you guys on soon, as soon as we get into a rhythm. We want to hear your hot takes on the latest video games, movies, and sports news. We know you guys have your opinions. Whew, we all know Plyoneers are opinionated. That's why we love you. So we're going to have you guys on, too. Uh, Muldog, it's been a pleasure. Our first ever podcast and the start of hopefully something special. I'm glad you're here. I'm going to hold you to Kansas City by a field goal. If you're wrong, I'm going to suck you into the uh, actual live show and make you probably get your ass kicked in a few rounds of Mortal Kombat because that's the punishment for being wrong around here. But... <laughs> Understood. I'm more, I'm more scared now about this game than anyone I've ever watched before that I had $500 on for crying out. <laughs> Our reputation is at stake already. Yeah, man. I love it. No, it's all good, man. So, guys, thank you so much once again for joining us here on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. If you could leave a good review, it really helps. Uh, if you want to share the podcast as we get this thing off the ground, that would be much appreciated. If you have ideas for the podcast or things you want to hear, make sure you leave it on our Facebook page, Ply in the Muldog Podcast. We're so excited to hear from you. Enjoy the Super Bowl tomorrow. I'll be live all this week with the video games. Muldog's going to be around here a lot more, too. We'll see you guys next time. We're out. Peace.